That also is very important from human interaction. And that is hummus. When Sid and I first met, when we realized that we have a connection, I invited him to have dinner with me. Yes. And we share the place of hummus, which culturally, I think, uh, is great to bring people from generations, from different uh, backgrounds, from different even, you know, opposing sides. I have seen people who are otherwise from nations who are having war, share a plate of hummus and and become uh, friends. It and was so, fantastic. And so maybe 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 we should add that to the beginning yes. of the introduction that Sid made that that uh, people should not forget hummus. Uh, if, yes, if not <laughs> food is hummus, the real connector. <laughs> go, go go share a plate of hummus and it will be okay. Hello, and welcome to the Core Intentions Podcast. I'm your host, Asia Johnson, along with my co-host and father, Sydney Johnson. We are thrilled that you chose to join us today. In this podcast, we create space for socially conscious conversations around the impact of big and small business while showcasing the stories of the people behind them, starting at the core of their why. We'll dive into sustainability, technology, supply chain innovation, and inclusion, equity, and diversity. We believe that good business and lasting impact starts with intention, and we are excited to go down the journey of discovery with you. So let's get into it. The main societal role of technology is that it brings all of us together, actually. Perhaps we are doing something wrong. Yes, we don't have a bias against somebody, but is that enough? It's a matter of doing the right thing in order to succeed. It's not a choice. It's not a choice between doing the right thing or succeeding. It is all one choice. All right. Welcome to the Core Intentions podcast. Today, I am thrilled to have Farzan Shapur. He is the Managing Director of the Supply Chain Logistics Program at Plug and Play. Welcome, Farzan. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me. I am excited about this opportunity and our conversation today. Thank you for being here. All right, Dad. I would love for you to kind of kick us off here and really um, speak to you how you know Farzan and in your um, blossoming relationship for the past few years. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much, Asia. And Farzan, uh, thank you so much for, uh, for being with us today. We're really looking forward to the conversation. Farzan and I go back a, a little ways. Uh, we met uh, maybe four or five years back uh, when uh, Delphi, early on in the Delphi days, when we started working on our autonomous vehicle programs, uh, we were looking for some technology to help advance um, what we were working on at the time. And uh, out in Mount, Mountain View, uh, California and Silicon Valley, out of our office there, uh, we linked up with Plug and Play and used their mobility uh, vertical to kind of assist us with some early technology. Uh, and help get us off the ground. And if you remember the vehicle that we drove from the West Coast to New York, one of the first autonomous vehicles that was on the road, um, 
the team in plug and play uh, mobility vertical uh, kind of assisted us in uh, putting the technology in place. So, and since then, uh, Fars and I, I mean, obviously we've got something in common. We're uh, supply chain enthusiasts. So uh, we've stayed in touch. Uh, I've spent some time out in plug and play and I've had Fars and talk with, uh, with some of our suppliers uh, during my time at uh, Delphi slash Aptiv about technology and where technology is going in the supply chain world. So, um, and we've continued to stay in touch and anytime he needs me to support uh, plug and play and his vertical, I'm there. And thank you for generosity, by the way, with your time. You have always been there for us, Sid. You have been our all-time supporter. Whenever we need somebody to guide us, to advise us, or to tell us what to do and what not to do, you are a great guiding voice for us. So thank you for that. You're welcome. We love to see it. Thank you so much, Farzan. Thank you, Dad. Um, we are excited to have you here, Farzan, to talk about your journey, um, to learn a bit more about plug and play, what you're up to, and to learn um, more about the supply chain logistics program that you are leading. So it might be interesting for us to throw out some facts really quickly to our audience about um, the supply chain and logistics program within plug and play, and then also provide some context in regards to who is plug and play? So um, from what I gauge and what I've read through um, some research, you know, plug and play um, is the world's largest early stage investor, accelerator, and corporate innovation platform. Your headquarters is in Sunnyvale, California in Silicon Valley. You're founded in 2006. Uh, you were early investors in big names like Google, PayPal, Dropbox, just to name a few. Um, and your company really has hands in a lot of different sectors and focus areas, including healthcare, retail, mobility, as my dad was speaking to, fintech, sustainability, you name it. It sounds like you're invested in, in, in everything. Um, so from a supply chain logistics perspective, um, I would like to know a little bit more about, you know, why you were decided to lead this program, a little bit about your background. Certainly, absolutely. Uh, you said it very well. Uh, those facts sum up uh, what play and play is very well. Uh, I would just add to that that uh, we are also 600 passionate people about technology across 38 offices globally. And that uh, essentially diversity and reach helps us to interact with entrepreneurs, no matter where they are and what they're working on and to help them to meet their potential. Uh, everything about my uh, background and how I arrived here, I started at the Boeing company and I grew up there. I did everything that related to supply chain management from chasing uh, titanium and aluminum and steel and uh, fasteners. Uh, and if you ever need uh, uh, eight inch titanium plates, although it has ATV lead time, I know a Russian gentleman who, if you pay cash today, he delivers to you today. Uh, no questions asked. And uh, all the way to making piece parts, to uh, making sub-assemblies, to assemblies, to sections of the airplane, to delivering the whole airplane, to working on future uh, production systems and new product introductions and so on and so on. And so that experience uh, was wonderful. I was... Uh, uh, given the opportunity to learn how to be an operator and how to uh, essentially interact and uh, run a supply chain. And so that uh, really was a great preparation for me 
to do my current job, which is to essentially interact with entrepreneurs, with the startups, with technologies that uh, are going to be enabling future supply chains to be more efficient, more environmental friendly, and more agile. Uh, so today uh, I am lucky not to have any supply chain to manage. I have no shortage, <laughs> nothing catches fire, nothing goes wrong. There are no quality escapes. Yep. I, uh, I, I get to look at cool things all day. I get to look at uh, robotics technologies that uh, are going to enable uh, manufacturing of the future. I get to look at autonomous systems for the warehouse, for the manufacturing site, as well as for last mile delivery and even mid mile. I get to look at uh, applications of artificial intelligence in uh, predicting demand and doing better forecasting so that we have a better baseline of what we're trying to do. I get to look at uh, cool technologies that can replace a dog's nose so that they can smell what's going on at a chemical plant or at a distribution center in case something is going wrong or in case somebody has something there that they should not. Wow. And uh, I get to look at systems that enable people to do their jobs better, really. Um, something that is sometimes misunderstood. Uh, these technologies are not here to replace people. In most cases, they're here to actually help people to do their best, to be at their best, and to do things that will help them to use more of their brain as opposed to their hands, and to not break their backs, and to essentially be even more productive, and to help us even do more and produce more and deliver more with less. Oh, wow. Uh, so these are some of the things that I get to do on a daily basis. Uh, take those things that you see uh, and do every day on a daily basis from all of those different verticals and your thoughts on the role there that that technology plays in society, in our environment, uh, and et cetera. Ex expound on that a little bit. Certainly. So uh, uh, regarding technology's role in society, I think uh, the main societal role of technology is that it brings all of us together, actually. If you think about it, today we are doing this while each of us is sitting in a different city, in a different state. And so it's enabling us to come together to have a conversation. And I think that only helps us to strengthen our bonds, our relationships, to strengthen our relationship uh, as human beings and to help us understand each other better at a new level than maybe we have not in the past. So hence, I look at technology positively as something that hopefully will improve uh, our societal interactions and will help us to uh, see each other in a different way and to understand each other better. In terms of uh, uh, the impact of technology on the environment. Uh, look, in the 20th century, I think we all got used to certain niceties that we would never be willing to give up. Uh, we all like the fact that we don't have to walk to places, that uh, there are these things that transport us to places, whether we are driving them or uh, they drive us. And we all like the fact that there are machines that uh, do our chores, whether it's washing dishes or uh, uh, clothes or anything else. And so 
the role that technology will play, I think, in 21st century is to help us not to give us to give those things up, because obviously those things have had an impact on the environment, but to do them a lot more efficiently so that while we are having these niceties, while we are enjoying them, we are also being good stewards of the environment. Whether it is uh, uh, autonomous systems and uh, electrical uh, mobility systems that help us essentially to get from A to B a lot more efficiently while not polluting the environment, all the way to the smart uh, microgrid management systems that will help us to run our dishwashers and our washers and dryers, maybe in the middle of the, the night at the time that it will have the least impact in terms of consumption of energy and in terms of balancing that uh, energy use so that there is no pressure on, let's say, a gas power plant or uh, even worse than that, a coal uh, generating power plant. Uh, I think this would be the role of technology in uh, the century that we are in. Thank you. Yeah, so you, you brought up some excellent points um, and really relatable points, right, to everyday life and how people can make uh, small decisions, right, that can have a big impact in the world. Um, but in the world that, that you're in, you know, you're working with startups and founders. Um, how do you how do you have those conversations with those with those founders as we talk about sustainability and um, accessibility when it comes to technology? It's very simple. For them, it's a matter of doing the right thing in order to succeed. It's not a choice. It's not a choice between doing the right thing or succeeding. It is all one choice. If they want to succeed, they have to do the right thing. And here's why. Uh, your uh, generation, Asia, and the generation that is coming up behind you is a lot more responsible than my generation. And by the way, we are grateful to you for that. Is very conscious of what it is doing, is very conscious of what its impact is on the environment. What happens when they consume something, when they buy something, when they practice something. And so for a startup, for an entrepreneur to succeed with their new product, to succeed with their new solution, there is only one right way, and that is to do right by, uh, to, in order to succeed. And so I would say it's not, uh, maybe again in the previous century, unfortunately our fathers uh, came up with this trade-off. Maybe it was wrong, they did a lot of things right, but maybe this one was wrong that they created this trade-off between progress and the stewardship of the environment. I would say now there is no question that the two are going hand in hand and are going together. If an entrepreneur wants to succeed, that entrepreneur has to do the right thing by the environment, by sustainable practices, and think about- their Yeah, I, I have a follow-up question on that. Please so <clears throat> in the role that you play in plug and play plays, where you connect startups, uh, founders with corporations, and with VCs, right? So from the investment side of it, are you seeing more pull from the investment side of it and the corporate side of it for those technologies with a greater impact on 
on the environment? Absolutely, 100%. And, uh, you know, Sid, I have seen even, uh, by the way, I have seen a shift and that has not been even gradual. Uh, as you know, I have the uh, privilege that I get invited to even internal uh, board conversations at various companies. And I can tell you that uh, the conversation has, has not gradually, but very rapidly shifted towards favoring those technologies, especially in the past year. I think uh, us uh, having uh, to essentially look at uh, the world in a different way, uh, uh, considering the pandemic has forced everybody, including folks in C-suites to be more serious than ever about doing the right thing, about considering the environment and about wanting technology that will enable them to capture those opportunities while they are being good stewards of the environment, 100%. And in terms of what we do at Plug and Play, uh, I can tell you that every day when we get a request in terms of a solution or a technology, part of that question is, how does this help me with my sustainability goals? Whether it's about uh, uh, having uh, an efficient system that will enable the company to do better last mile delivery, or to do better quality control. Part of the question is, what would be the uh, impact on energy uses? What would be the impact on uh, the uh, on the uh, reverse logistics piece? How would this affect uh, my carbon footprint? All of these things are being asked in every conversation that I am in now. Good, good. We've been speaking to um, the environmental piece of sustainability, but of course we have to speak to um, the human aspect, right? And the human impact of technology. Um, so you talked about how founders are coming in and they are, they're already thinking I need to do the right thing in order to succeed. So they're not treating success differently from doing the right thing, right? It's, it's, it's a part of their thinking naturally. Um, can you speak to some maybe of the exciting innovations that you're seeing that is really um, uh, helping people? That's, that's really um, speaking to human rights, that's solving some of these big, hairy problems that a lot of corporations are dealing with in their supply chain. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the, there are multiple technologies that I'm excited about. Uh, one is uh, the technologies that help uh, uh, manual uh, tasks uh, to be a lot easier on the body when they're working in the warehouse or in the factory. Uh, we have obviously an aging workforce, as you know, especially in the developing world. And at the same time, we have more demand on them. We want uh, whatever we want uh, faster than ever. We want instant gratification. And so hence, uh, to be cognizant of these folks, there are lots of uh, startups that are working on technologies that can help people essentially do what they're doing a lot easier. Uh, some of these uh, are essentially the cobots that collaborate with whoever is doing something, whether it's uh, picking materials, whether it's kitting materials, or preparing them for shipping. And uh, these cobots, I believe, are great solutions to essentially complement people and to help them work a lot more easily and efficiently. Uh, another technology are essentially uh, the ones that. Uh, 
they don't really turn people into iron men, but they alleviate the weight, whether it's mm -hmm. uh, some sort of uh, suit that helps with the weight on the back or uh, on the upper body or lower body or knees. We are seeing great uh, progress and adoption uh, with these technologies. Uh, a lot of the postal services that we work with uh, from uh, Japan to US are evaluating these technologies and uh, they have seen very good results and they have gotten very good feedback from their employees. So I'm very excited about these because essentially they're helping people do what they can do best while essentially uh, not worrying about what will happen at the end of the shift. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, your comment about the the aging workforce, uh, those, those things are, are very necessary. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. So that kind of takes us to another area that is um, really important, um, diversity, equity, inclusion. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts um, about the conversations you're having at Plug and Play and, and within your program um, related to um, inclusion, equity, and diversity. And how is that a part of your strategic discussions that you're having? Certainly. Absolutely. Um, this is this is something very important, and by the way, this is something that has to be done with intention. And here is what I mean. I always thought that I'm an equitable person. I always thought that I'm doing the right thing. I always thought that I don't have biases. And I always thought that's enough. And I was proven wrong about uh, a year ago, and here is how. I always thought that we look for startups and we are just, when we are looking for a startup, for example, we are looking for the best, we are looking for the right solution. And so hence, um, there's no way that we have a bias toward uh, um, if the founder is uh, from this background or that background. How can we have a bias when we are just searching, let's say for a startup that does X and has a, an API to, ERPY and by the way, has this much traction and so on. These are the only parameters that I've given to my team. And these are the only ones that we are putting into the search engines. So hence, we are essentially being equal opportunity. We are doing the right thing and that is it. Mm -hmm. And here is how I was proven wrong. We looked about a year ago at the startups that we had sourced uh, for our uh, supply chain cohort, for our supply chain accelerator class. And to my surprise, there were zero black founders there, zero. Mm -hmm. And so we asked the question, we're like, there has to be something that we are doing wrong. How come there is only, there, there's not, how come there's zero? Perhaps we are doing something wrong. Yes, we don't have a bias against somebody, but is that enough? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I told my team, and actually some of them, uh, they answered by saying, look, we did everything that uh, you told us. We just searched for a startup in blockchain, a startup AI, a startup this, a startup that. Mm -hmm. We found all the ones we had asked for, and this was the outcome. So there must not be any. Mm. And I'm like, are you sure? Maybe this time, again, when I said, I have learned that we, not only it's enough, it's not enough to have the uh, the the bias or the lack of it, rather you have to have intention. I said, let's go with intention 
and try to see if there are some. Maybe we are wrong. Maybe we have not looked at the right place. Maybe we have a bias that we don't know about because the traditional places that we look for are not the places that these people would be found. Mm-hmm. And guess what? To my surprise, we found a gold mine. Like just one place that we looked that we had never looked, we got a list of 450. Wow. 450 earliest stage of startups. Uh, they were in many different subjects, including supply chain. So it was process. So it was, it was, yeah, you didn't, exactly. you didn't have a, so you didn't have a bias. You just, like you said, you didn't have this, we weren't intentional about it. Yes. And specifically look for it, but ask the question, then where do we find them at? Exactly. So then what you learned from the experience, did that, did you go change something in your process or the way that you do things in your vertical at plug Absolutely, and Absolutely, 100%. 100%. So now we intentionally uh, work with more uh, HBCUs, which we were not before. Now we have found a few uh, local incubators who are in uh, areas that before we did not have good coverage, specifically in the South. In Atlanta, we are working with a local incubator. And so we are saying, look, show us what you've got. And now we are essentially 10 times more likely to find those folks and to look at them. Before, they were not even on our radar because the traditional places that we would look, maybe we don't have bias, but maybe they have a bias somehow. There's bias built into... There's bias ingrained, right, in, in this um, the space, right? Technology, VC, yeah. investing, yeah, yeah. right? So exactly, you got to take a step I mean, back. I mean, we have to confess to it. There is indeed bias. I was uh, I was at a uh, at a great uh, VC mixer with 21 other VC partners from different uh, venture capital firms. Uh, 22 of us went uh, to uh, Napa. We had wine tasting and, of course, a great exchange uh, <laughs> Friday. This was, uh, I think, our first outing in like 15 months. <laughs> and uh, we all enjoyed it. But guess what? At some point, we, re- we we looked around the room. First of all, when we started the day, there were only 21 of us on the bus, and we were all male. Mm. And then in the middle of the day, uh, a female partner from one of the VCs, uh, she was running late. She had an engagement. She had a meeting in the morning with one of her portfolio companies. She drove to join us. And so then we had one female VC person. So hence, yes, we should confess that essentially if, if we like it or not, if we are aware of it or not, obviously if there's only, if there's no woman in the room, if there's only one, Inevitably, there would be a bias, even if we don't want it there to be. Sure, sure. Same thing with with essentially voices from different communities and different backgrounds. Let's say most of us around the room, I think we were white. I think there were two Indian gentlemen. There was one one Asian gentleman. I don't think there was anybody who was Hispanic or black. Well, there you go. I think that's important to realize and to be introspective and and to look around the room and say something is not right here. So that's important that you're that you're observant of that. And so, how have you applied that um, that that new process and way of thinking across um, the plug and play uh, platform? 
So we are uh, now we have also changed our uh, hiring practices, meaning again, when I said we have to have not just not it's not enough to be unbiased, but you have to have intention. So now we have intention to see where we are lacking. What are the groups that are not represented in our 600 strong workforce to essentially uh, uh, complement and supplement when we are hiring for a new role, not just hire for that role, which we are still doing and we are getting great candidates, but also to make sure that we are uh, strengthening by adding a voice, which by the way, it will help us to essentially uh, find great investments which may otherwise miss. It's to our detriment when we are not as diverse as we are, because guess what? We will miss looking in that community. And of course, there are smart people everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. There are unicorns uh, in any literally corner of the world these days. There's like an amazing unicorn I wish I had invested in Indonesia. Uh, wherever you look these days, there's an amazing entrepreneur who is doing great work, helping people, and by the way, providing great shareholder value. So it's not only it's the right thing, but it's good for business. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a really good point to kind of wrap up the conversation a little bit here. We've we've learned a ton about... I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to have fun. And all <laughs> I was about to text uh, my team. I know. We're having fun, too. We are having fun, too. So we'll have to have you back on the podcast um, to talk a little bit more about the plug and play journey because you have a lot of different programs that we can go down and explore. But uh, we want to definitely make sure we um, learn more about you, Farzan. So we do have a couple of um, more rapid fire style questions for you here at the end. So why don't we kick it off? Um, so first, tell us, what are you currently listening to or reading? Reading is a great book which I'm not sure if the title is appropriate for a podcast. (laughs) Um, Management BS. That's definitely appropriate. You have read that book? It's an excellent book. I recommend it to everybody. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Is there there one thing that you've uh, learned from the book so far that you think uh, our audience would would, needs to hear, I guess? (laughs) Uh, Yes, the fact that they should not read the other business school books. (laughs) <laughs> All right. so don't good. go to business school or no, no, always talk about business uh, school <laughs> yeah. some of the books unfortunately are not written uh, the way they should be <laughs> well I, i've got a good one for you rapid fire i got a good one for you please go ahead i i, I would like to know who's your all-time favorite teacher so regardless of how old you were what grade you were in what level the all-time favorite teacher and why my, my 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 organic chemistry teacher, senior year high school. And yeah. here is why. One day he came to school, he came, he came to our, my class and he said, no chemistry today. And we were shocked. <laughs> he had seen uh, somebody, I don't think this uh, student was from my class, maybe from uh, the other, uh, one of the other classes in the high school. Uh, unfortunately misbehave on the streets uh, and you know, not to speak correctly to a passerby, I think uh, to a female passerby. And so that had really uh, vacant him that maybe we need a different kind of education. So he said, you know what? You guys uh, don't know things that you should know about that are even more important than organic chemistry. Today, I wanna talk about those. 
How do you talk to a lady? Well, how do you greet her? How do you ask her out? <laughs> how do you go on a date? If you go on a date, which side of the street uh, do you walk? He, he taught us editing, etiquette. I mean, we didn't know any of these things, by the way. Wow. He was right. But he senior, said, look, senior in high school. Senior in high school, organic chemistry. He said, look, wow. chemistry is very important, but you know what? These things are even more important, and I don't want any of my students to behave the way I saw. You have to know how to treat a lady. You have to know how to walk, how to conduct yourself, how to talk. You have to have etiquette. Otherwise, you are not a good member of society. So he sat us down. That day, we got no chemistry. <laughs> But we got, and he kept, he kept saying, okay, so you get her phone number. How are you going to call? What if her... You wow. know, it was not, it was pre-cell phone days. Life What skills. if her father picks up the phone? How are <laughs> you going to say hi? Life lessons for a 17-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Good. And yeah. you know, I, I, I am grateful to him. I think he yeah. was right. I think, I think those are important. That is Somebody good. should so, teach us that. Yeah, so Asia, I think you, uh, you may have the last one, huh? <laughs> make it think a little bit. I do. I do. I, I actually really love that story. I think something I want to quickly uh, just address before we um, we ask this last question. I think it's really interesting, Farzan, how you talk about these leaders in your life, regardless if it's your first manager, uh, your first job out of college, or your um, organic chemistry teacher, they've taught you some life skills, right, that really kind of stuck with you through your journey. So I think that's just really important to call out. Um But yeah, let's wrap this up with this final question. So um, imagine you are sitting on a beach, reflecting on your life at some point in the distant future. What thoughts, ideas, or actions would bring you peace of mind? Essentially, what kind of impact do you want to leave on this world? Uh, there's... There are things that I will look back and I'll remember, and I would think that I did right. So uh, let me give you one example of that, because this has always stayed with me as something that I did right. And it may surprise you because it may go against what we have talked about today. We have talked about <laughs> technology and implementing technology and automating things. This decision was the opposite. And to this day, I think I did the right thing. And here is what it was. Uh, many years ago, when I was an industrial engineer, I had to study on uh, when we go upgrade and we build more airplanes at the Boeing company, should we have more uh, ATLM machines? They are automated tape laying machines that essentially lay composite tape to, let's say, make the skin of the uh, wing of the airplane. Or should we essentially have 10 mechanics do this. Uh, which one is better for the company? I did my study, I did the math, and I looked at everything. And actually, the outcome was equal in terms of cost. Those ATLMs, were, they were expensive, they cost a lot of money to maintain. Uh, at that time, the downtime was high. And so essentially, they were roughly equivalent to 10 heads in terms of cost. It's not uh, that uh, they were uh, uh, superior in terms of speed or productivity. And uh, so I had to make a recommendation, by the way, now I have equal outcome on whether we should purchase another ATLM machine or hire 10 heads. And uh, I decided that we should hire 10 heads. 
and I was challenged about this decision, about my recommendation. I had to go to an executive meeting and, and I had to review all of this. I had to present all the numbers. And then I had to say what my final recommendation was. And so I said, here are the numbers, they're equal. And my recommendation is hire 10 hits. And I was asked why, mm -hmm. why not just get the machines? And by the way, eventually the technology will go in the direction of automation. So shouldn't we, yes, although it's equal today, shouldn't we buy the machines? And I said, no, and here's why. We hire 10 people who otherwise may not have the opportunity of having this great manufacturing job that they look forward to, that they come to work to every day, that their child every day sees that their dad gets up, gets dressed and goes to the factory and comes home. And so otherwise would not learn the work discipline that they would be able to learning. And hence we would miss on making an impact on not just 10 individuals, but 10 families mm. and 10 multiplied by generations, by their sons and daughters. So hence, I think we should do 10 heads instead of the machine. And what did you guys do? And the argument won. We hired Argu 10 heads. Good. Wow. Yes. Wow. So wow. when I look back on the beach, this is, I think, one of the decisions that I would uh, look proudly back on. Uh, although it's against again, uh, maybe you work, against in, you, work in, you work in tech, technology. you work in tech, and, and all the things we talked about earlier. But you know what? Um, I, I like the fact that it wasn't just a cost decision; it was a personal decision and a human decision, and not just for those ten individuals, but for their families and the generations to come. Uh, Outstanding. Outstanding. Way to finish up. Yes. Way to end this with such a touching story. I think that nicely kind of summarizes um, really the, the point of this conversation, right? That technology is super important. It's going to advance us as a society, but we also have to think about people, right? And how technology can advance um, people and can help people and can do good in the world. So Farzan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your candor, your honesty. Um, thank you for shedding light on the amazing work that you're doing at Plug and Play. And we look forward to having you back on the podcast at some point in the future. Anytime. With pleasure. <laughs>